Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real-life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. I'm really excited about our next guest coming up. He hails all the way from Pennsylvania. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, Ace. Hold on, Ace. This podcast is going to be a little different for your listeners. This podcast, I'm taking over, and we're going to interview you. And everybody keeps hearing your voice and these amazing people that you keep bringing on and you know we all get inspired by them but we want to know what's behind the, the curtain what makes ace tick um and so let's let's first of all i'm taking over so just get used to that second is going to be i'd love to hear more about your story so tell us a little bit more about your story um you know your childhood growing up and then what i eventually want to get into what possessed you to write a book and to start a podcast like this to to create a platform for other superheroes. Hold, hold, hold on. You interrupted me. Now it's my turn to interrupt you. You mean to say you're going to throw a, what is it, a Freaky Friday on me today? That's right. Oh, man. I, I, I have no notes. I just have questions <laughs> for you. <laughs> no questions for me. They're only coming your way today. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, no, I think that's a good thing because uh, if people are t- tuning in, listening to me, they deserve a chance to uh, get to know me a little bit better, and I'm happy to share my story and my experience. Awesome. So let's get started with that. So tell me a little bit about your childhood growing up. I know you're a twin. Uh, just for listeners out there, Ace and I, we've known each other now for about a year. Yep. Almost exactly a year, right? And I feel like it's been a lifetime, which is the most amazing part. He's an incredible man. So um, tell us a bit about your your beginning of life and all that kind of stuff. You can start out where the sperm meets the egg, or you can start whatever starts making sense to you. But I know that you're a twin, so start us off with your story. Yeah, well, um, I guess I'm going to get probably as real as I can be. My parents met in AA. They were both addicts as far as alcohol and things like that. So that was the beginning of the beginning. We were born in, my brother and I were identical twins. We were born in San Francisco and we were raised in a family. It was a blue collar family, middle class, upper middle class, you know, very strong work ethic. My mom originally is from Indiana. My father was from San Francisco. Uh, They had met and it was one of those upbringings where, you know, as a child, you don't know any different. What could be kind of traumatic uh, experiences growing up kind of is your normal, right? Because you don't know any different when you're a child. And so my parents loved me unconditionally. They supported me unconditionally. But I did grow up in uh, an addiction-based family. There was things that we didn't talk about. There were things that we, um, you know, what did they say? The elephant in the room. There was always an elephant in the room when it came to alcohol, when it came to prescription medicine. A lot of things were kept from my brother and I. And I don't mean to start off by my history with doom and gloom, but that's real life. Mm -hmm. My situation isn't that much different from other people's situation. Some people have it better. Some people have it worse. But the reason I bring this up is that is a huge part of who I am. And that was a huge part of who I was before. I became ace before I became the person hosting this podcast. And so I grew up in Northern California, wonderful, loving family. They did, my parents did struggle with addictions and that led to certain events in my childhood that could be deemed as traumatic and things like that. But as you know, 
uh, whatever experiences we p- have in life, the meaning that we put behind them defines that experience. And what I've had to do as I get older and as I become an adult, as I get pushed to do different things, whether it's in my business, whether it's with uh, personal or professional relationships, when I start to act certain ways or do certain things or have certain insecurities, it's up to me to one, figure out, okay, where is this coming from? When we had first, when you and I had first met at Undisputed Mastery a year ago, I remember there was one uh, thing w- that we had to do. Essentially, I was talking to you like you were my father. Now, both my parents have since passed about 10, 12 years ago. And uh, there are some unresolved issues that I had when it came to my father and my mother. But specifically, this exercise was for you and I for me to talk to you as if you were my father. And what I learned through that experience was I was holding on to a lot of resentment, a lot of fear, uh, a lot of anger towards him for his decisions. But through that exercise and talking to him, even though he personally wasn't there in front of me, you were representing him, I was able to work through those issues. So the reason I bring all this up when you asked me a simple question of where I grew up and, you know, my my childhood is that those experiences that part of my life defined who it was for a very long time whether i realized it or not but it was until i took responsibility for myself for my own actions forgave my father he was just trying the best he could like anybody else he loved me unconditionally and for a parent to love their child like that that's really all that needs to be there in my in my opinion i can you know say he didn't raise me to be a proper man he didn't teach me how to be a man but i need to take responsibility for that if he wasn't there i'm still going to love him i'm still going to respect him i'm still even though he's not alive anymore he is my father and i love him unconditionally and i will respect that man forever and have compassion and sympathy for the things that he struggled with throughout his life, the traumatic events he had that he wasn't able to overcome and use that to essentially open my heart to him so that I can heal. Because if I'm blaming him, I'm blaming my mom for you know uh, different things that happened while I was growing up. The only person I'm holding back and hurting him is myself. And so my whole story was written for me because I allowed it to be written for me. As a child, you don't know any different, but as an adult, you do. And that's the transition that people have to make is once they become adults, is they need to take responsibility for their lives. They need to be fully accountable for what they do, where they are in life. And if they're not happy with where they are or what they're doing, then it's up to them to make the change themselves. And so... Yeah. So I, I, I say all that because you and I met a year ago. One year ago, I was not the same person that I am today. I was in an unhappy marriage. Um, my wife and I were just not clicking. We're, we weren't communicating. We weren't on the same page. I wasn't happy with what I was doing in my professional life. You know, you, you could say I, I checked all the boxes, right? I have a mm-hmm. master's in structural engineering from UC Berkeley, like top university in the country. I'm a very good and very successful engineer. 
and real estate investor and builder. However, I was at rock bottom on the inside. it, It was a complete mess. And I was allowing my past, my upbringing, all of that to control my life. I wasn't in control of my life. I was playing a role, playing a part in a life where all these external factors controlled, manipulated, pushed, pulled me. And it's because I allowed it. I allowed all these external factors and my internal factors to make my decisions for me, whether it was fear-based, whether it was comfort-based. You know, I have an old name for myself. Obviously, I'm ace now. But my old name that I gave myself was Doormat. And you can imagine a doormat on the ground. People mm-hmm. step on it anytime they want to go in somewhere. Anytime they want to do something, they step on that mat to get through it. And I was that mat allowing people to step on me so that I could build their dreams. I could build their lives instead of me building my own dreams, building my own life, taking control of my life. And really a year ago at that event that we went to was the first time, you know, I I had been to Tony Robbins a bunch and those, Mm -hmm. those have been good uplifting experiences, but it was the first time that I really took charge and it, it worked out perfectly because I was at a point in my life where I needed something like that. And it was kind of serendipitous that way. And so from that experience, what I learned is I need to take full accountability for my life. I need to make decisions that uh, better me, that empower me. And I need the discipline to do that every single day. And every day I wake up, I have to step on doormat. Because if I don't step on doormat, someone else is, is going to step on it, meaning they're going to step on me. So I have to make that decision every day. What kind of person am I going to show up? Who am I going to show up for? Am I going to show up for myself and my family? Or am I going to show up for other people? And it doesn't mean you can't give to other people. You can't help and support other people. It's, it's the opposite of that. I need to do that to myself first, build myself up, build up my reps, build up every part of myself so that I have the ability to give. I have the ability to share. I have the ability to empower other people's lives. And so once I started doing that to myself first, then our relationship blossomed. You know, you said we only know each other for a year. Well, within this year, I can't say that there's anybody in my life that I can call a better friend, a brother in arms, a Bia that we, you and I say, and I will go to war with you because I know you've got what what they say. You got my, my six, you got my Mm -hmm. back. And I've got your back and I will go to the ends of the earth and fight for what I believe is right with you. And friendships like ours aren't just, they just don't happen, right? Especially how strong it's become in such a short amount of time. And I attribute that completely to me turning my life around, showing up as the man I need to show up every day. That's why this podcast started. I wouldn't have started this podcast if it wasn't for you. You know, I'm, finishing my book right now. It's going to be out in December. I'm very excited about it. And when I was writing that book, that was kind of a challenge for me personally. But I I wasn't thinking podcasts. I wasn't thinking social media. I wasn't thinking about all these other ways to empower people, to give people hope, to uh, give people 
um, open these these doors of possibilities just by interviewing people who are in control of their lives, who have taken control of their lives, who are doing amazing things, helping other people. And so it's absolutely insane because today it's uh, mid-October. I think the event was late oh, October. Yeah. 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 But so it hasn't even, exactly. yeah. So yeah. I know I'm going on and on and on. I'm not allowing you to ask questions, but might be the point. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> exactly. No, <laughs> control, I'm enjoying control it. Control the narrative. <laughs> no, it's good though, no, because you know, it's, you're, you're letting it roll as it is. And that's, what's important here. You know, your listeners, they want authenticity and you know, it's important because you can be vulnerable. I think as a man, especially vulnerability is a superpower, not something that we should be, you know, pulling back. My childhood was, you know, a, a bit different, but still there was alcohol involved and those kinds of things as well. And, you know, it, it, and you know, my grandfather and my father are very kind of stoic guys and they don't, they don't show vulnerability. My father a little bit more than my grandfather, but I was raised by those two strong masculine energies. And, you know, to, to be the one who is now saying vulnerability is a superpower, you know, and crying in public, not, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I am who I am. I'm not trying to put on the, the any games for anybody that, um, you know, it's taken a little bit of rewiring in my own mind of what that masculine journey looks like. But, um, but no, brother, I remember very clearly a year ago when we met and, you know, you were a different man back then. Yeah. Um, I, it was obvious you were a different man. And the amount you've grown in this last year has been absolutely incredible. You know, I, I see, and that's, I know that's the reason why we're because I know that's why we're, we go into battle for each other hundred percent, no matter what, because we're both on a very purpose driven mission, right? And the mission yeah. Uh, through our spirituality, through our impact in the world and all of that stuff. We, we share that, uh, which helps, you know, each of us keep pushing each other forward and growing. You know, I'm still totally amazed by your capacity for getting shit done, you know, and it's really quite amazing. So to ask you another question here, uh, obviously you're, you're how old, how many years was it before? Or I should ask this. How old are you now? Uh, right now I'm 39. So 39, so 38 years, let's call it, yeah. that you were in a certain mindset and you were blaming your parents for their choices and that your life was what it was because of the choices they made and you were a victim to all of those things. We've all gone through that in some form. Um, what was the catalyst for you when you, like, what tool did you use? What was the thing that made you say, wait a minute here, I need to become more accountable to myself and not blame my parents for my shitty position right now and the choices I've made up 38 years of my life. Like what yeah. was the, the, the flip? What can people out there listening say, wow, that was the time that, that, uh, doormat was killed and ACE was born. Yeah. Well, I would say it really, for me personally, it was that event and I can go into the details about the event. It would probably take a full hour or two, mm. but it, the, the important takeaways from that event was I was around a group of men who loved me. They didn't know me from Adam a day or two before, but we made a promise to each other that we would get the best out of each other, that we would love and support each other. And part of that love is tough love. I remember that they we were doing these exercises similar to the one you and I did with about my father. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about my brother. We were talking about my wife and all this garbage was coming out of my mouth because I was blaming them. I was blaming, you know, and maybe I wasn't literally blaming them, but the words we choose to use 
was a form of blame and they're they're not to be blamed my brother's not to be blamed for my issues or or my hang-ups my wife wasn't to be blamed and every time i would say they would ask me questions and i would say something they would say no you're blaming and i i, I couldn't you know my brain was trying to figure out well what the heck are they talking about that isn't blaming but yeah. when i had time to think about it um it, it it was because I wasn't taking accountability for myself and my life. And also in that exercise, there was physicality as far as um, every, there was about five or six guys and they pushed me up against the wall with um, like pads and things like that. And they were forcing me to answer these questions, but at the same time, try to force myself through them. So a lot of emotion was building up. Uh, I started to yell and, you know, the whole physical act of trying to push through a barrier was very powerful as well. So not only did we change my physiology, but we changed my focus and we changed my language. And as you know, physiology, focus and language, that's a Tony Robbins thing right there. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was completely changing my state. But at the same time, I was putting myself in a situation that was important mm-hmm. and that was very meaningful to me. I remember it as clear as it was yesterday and it was a year ago of this exercise. And so from what I've learned through my studies for the book I've been writing through neuroscience and things like that is those events, I was rewiring my brain. I was rewiring yep. the neuro circuits in my brain and body at that time. And so these events that happen to us that change our lives, like the the weekend that we had together, it happens only when you are willing and able to change your physiology, change your neural circuitry, because all we are is a set of neurons with electrical firings. Our memories... Right our electrical firings, our habits, our behaviors are electrical firings. But if you're interrupt, if you're able to interrupt that circuitry and change it, and it's, you know, the important part is one, interrupt it, but two, what do you supplement it with once you interrupt it? And that's really the basics of change behavior is just changing and changing mindsets is changing that circuitry. And there's very subtle ways you can do it. There's very extreme ways you can do it. But that event, when you immerse yourself in something like that around people that love and support you and know what are what they are doing to change your mindset, to change your yep. beliefs, to change your behavior, it's so powerful. That's why I always recommend working on yourself, bettering yourself, but also yep. finding the people that you can trust and know are going to make an impact on you. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me hold you there for a second. You know, what, uh, what I learned at that event as well, and what it sounds like you're telling me, tell me if I'm right here, um, is that we, as we grow up, we kind of create the story of who we are, our identity in our heads, mm-hmm. right? Based on our environments, based on what our parents told us, based on what the world has told us, what that we learned in school, blah, 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 just fill in the blank, right? But we start to create this narrative in our head and we do everything in our power to stay in that identity because this is who we are, right? And the bigger question and what events like this will do is they open up the question of, okay, if that's your story, 
Who gave you that story? Is that mm-hmm. truly your story? Are you truly all of these things? Or is these things that people have told you you've adapted and adopted as your story and you keep running that same record over and over and over and over and over in your head, but an event like this puts you in a position where you've got to question that story. Yeah, You've got to rewire it. I like to say that our goal in, as humans is to be the electricians of our lives, to rewire things. Like you mentioned earlier, we get the opportunity to, to add any value or any meaning to anything that happens to us. If we get in a car accident, was it, oh my God, I'm another victim. It just happened. It's the third one in my lifetime. I'm always getting hit. Or is it, thank goodness this happened and no one got hurt because now maybe something else down the road could have happened. Like you just, how are you wiring that? Are you the victim or the victor? Is this something that's happening to you or for you? Is it, how, how are you wiring those things? And if you have a victim mentality, it's always woe is me. And the whole world is always conspiring against you. But if you're in control of your life, like Ace is, like the ultimate warrior is, right? We look at those things and we're like, you know what? Okay, they happened. We're still here. Let's keep growing and not another thought about it. Done. Yeah. Let's keep moving, right? Because we don't let it get in our head and don't let it infiltrate our story because now we're in control of our story because we're writing that thing every day. And we're constantly proving to ourselves that we're worthy of the story that we're writing for ourselves. And another, other people might have opinions, just don't care because now we're finally in control. Have you felt that to be part of your journey? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, recently, within the last couple of months, I decided to buy a new uh, set of knives. I was really excited about it because I love cooking and I've never had a good set of knives. I always have these dull things. So it's like almost like using a mallet to cut anything. <laughs> um, and oh, tough on tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, with using, uh, I wouldn't say the wrong tool, but, you know, not very strong tools. I started to develop bad habits, lack of focus when I'm using a knife. Um, if I would nick myself, it wouldn't be that bad. It probably even not even break skin most of the time because the knives were so dull. However, I bought these new knives, amazing, amazing Japanese uh, steel knives, very, very sharp. And I'm doing my normal routine food prep for the week. And I'm cutting a steak and I'm just chopping, 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 hand slips. I'm not paying attention. And I cut the tip of my finger off. And I, I didn't know what, what had happened. Um, all I knew was there was blood everywhere and I just needed to grab the tip, put it back on, wrap it up and drive myself to the emergency room. And so I did that. Obviously it wasn't the ideal thing to have happened. Um, I go, I get it sewed back on. And what I told myself during that time was, okay, you've got a rush of adrenaline going on in your body. That's why even chopping your finger off, like it doesn't feel good, but it it doesn't hurt an insane amount. Like there's a lot of adrenaline. I'm in shock as well. And so I told myself, okay, I was like, okay. And I I was sitting in the hospital for a while. So I had time to think about this um, as I was going through the different procedures to get my finger put back together. And I'm like, okay, what do I need to think about when it comes to what just happened to me? Mm-hmm. you know what what meaning do i put to it and what do i do it. and yep. what do i do afterwards mm-hmm. and so i was like well i don't ever want to be scared of knives not i you know i don't think there was a, a high chance of me becoming uh, a knifeophobia or whatever <laughs> whatever that is <laughs> is it a thing uh, sure yes <laughs> knifeophobia i'll um, google that while you're talking <laughs> uh, i'm not a doctor but i do play one on tv 
Okay. Um, nice. So I, I told myself, okay, first thing I do when I go back with my bandaged finger and everything is I finish my food prep. I go mm-hmm. straight back to that knife. I use that knife and I prove to myself that even though I have a, a, a stitched back together finger, I'm going to use that to finish the job that I had started, yep. that I'm in control of the knife. I'm in control of everything. I'm going to be very focused and I'm never going to let this happen again. So that's what I did because, well, let me step back. I did that right afterwards. The next morning I posted a video of me in the gym going to the gym. The doctor gave me no pain medication. Uh, I didn't take any Advil or any sort of ibuprofen. And so my finger hurt, like it hurt a lot. It was throbbing. Mm-hmm. It was trying to heal. And anybody who says saw that video probably was like, dude, this guy's insane. Like, why is he going to the gym the very next morning? Now, I didn't use my finger. I I changed, switched it up and decided to work on my legs that day. Mm-hmm. But the reason I was doing that is anytime we experience something new, anytime we experience something traumatic, which obviously is new because hopefully someone's not living in constant trauma day in and day out. But anytime there's something new, important, traumatic, different, that's when our brains become plastic. We open up the gates of neuroplasticity. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to fill this time with experiences and thoughts that are empowering. Mm -hmm. So what I was teaching myself is even if you cut your finger off, you're going to go to work the next day because that's who you are. Yeah. You're not going to take a day off. Like, yes. Okay. Let's say I broke my leg or cut my leg off. Yeah. I'm probably taking a few days off to, to have it heal. But it, it was, it was a part of my finger. Yep. You know, everybody, the doctor said, don't exercise. And I was like, okay, well, I won't exercise that. I can exercise other parts of my body. Mm-hmm. And the important thing was I chopped that steak right when I got back because yep. I was wiring my brain and my body for, for certain things. And it was that I'm strong, that I'm powerful. I do have setbacks. I do have thing, you know, I'll make mistakes. I'll literally chop off a piece of my body, but that's not going to change me from getting the job done, pushing forward and being the person that needs to work hard every day and train every day and push every day. Because when I do that, I'm bettering myself. And that's my mission is to, constantly grow and push myself so that I can be an example of that for other people to empower them, to have them push themselves so that they change their lives. So if I didn't go back and finish cutting with that knife, if I didn't go to the gym the next morning, I wouldn't be living my mission. Exactly. And nobody yeah. can judge my mission because my mission is my mission alone. Cause I, I do get comments of people saying that I'm crazy saying that like, why don't you give yourself rest? And I know they're coming out of a place of love, but at the same time, they don't understand my mission. Exactly. And my mission is, is between me and God. And it's something that I'm going to do for, for the rest of my life. And that's really that whole mission. It, it took a long time to, de- to develop. I refined it. Uh, but that's what I live day in and day out from the minute I get up in the morning to the minute my head hits the pillow at night and I go to sleep yeah. is my thoughts, my words, my deeds are all geared towards my mission. And 
you know, the, the why behind it. This is where you ask me, well, well, what's it all for? Ace. Mm. <laughs> well, you're, just, you're, you're making this easy well, for me. Josh, so I'm just letting Joshua, you talk. <laughs> Joshua, I'll tell you what, it, why it's all worth it. It's all worth it because when you have the opportunity to change somebody's life for the better, mm-hmm. like I was talking to uh, Dr. Wagner about this on one of the podcasts and, you know, he's a very successful, a very good coach has coached everybody, professional athletes, the everyday Joes like me. Um, and he gets so much excitement and he gets so pumped up when he hears about the results that his clients are making. Yep. And that's the same thing that I get yep. is I've seen by me bettering myself, people are looking now towards me. Mm-hmm. People are asking me questions. People are asking me for guidance. And I have the ability through my skill set, through my experiences, through everything I do day in and day out, I have now I'm able to do better because I am better. Mm. Just the other day, somebody super close to me, super, super close. Um, you might say he's my doppelganger in life, came to me and was having this issue and needed my help negotiating a contract for him. Mm. And it's, it was just so amazing because I was helping him negotiate it. But what I was doing even more importantly than giving him like the tactics or what to say, you know, the action plan, I was able to empower him and he spent the day negotiating this contract. And he called me at the end of the day, like I could just hear over the phone, the uh, excitement in his voice. And he felt so empowered. He felt so, and I, I didn't do anything other than be a cheerleader give him some advice. I told him, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but this is what I do. And this was what was taught to me. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing was he took control of his life for himself, for his family, so he could provide for them better. Um, And it was just, I just was on cloud nine after that. And that's really when I started to realize, I was like, man, all these mornings of getting up at 5.30 or earlier, of going to the gym, hitting it hard, of making my, I say this all the time, making my bed in the morning every day. Yep. All of these routines, these rituals, these things that a lot of times I'm not super excited or pumped to do. I do them, I get the reps in, I have the discipline and I put in the hard work for those results with other people because it just brings me more excitement. It makes me feel more alive than I've ever had in my entire life. And it, it's mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Yeah. And the more that you grow, the more you have to give. That comes from your mindset, from your heart, from money, all of that. The more money you make, the more you can give, the more you can impact. And that's really the bigger play in all of this, right? But if we stay where we are currently, we can only give what we have. So yeah. it, it's that constant growth in order to be able to give. And that's what drives me as well, brother. That's why we connect and, and sync so well. It's the same concept to see another person, you know, reach out for for advice. And then you give them the advice. They take the advice. They do something about it. Like they're action-based. They do something about it. Next thing you know, they come back like, wow, not just what I said worked. I don't care about that. They felt like there was some potential for them, that there was an opportunity, that there was uh, you know, hope. And they go out and do something like, wow, cool. And next thing you know, like, yeah, that's it. And that's, for me, that's enough right then and there. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's great. We just helped impact that person's life. That's amazing. Now, um, I know that at the event, because I obviously was there with you, there was some after event stuff 
that uh, was laid out. It, they call it the 100 day challenge. And what mm. I'm totally blown away by is the fact that you could go out and write this incredible book in 100 days, dude. That's 100 days you wrote a freaking book. Yep. That's incredible to me. So I want you to kind of walk through that, you know, why you felt like you needed to write a book. Uh, did you have a book always inside of you or what was the, what was the, the reasoning for even writing this to try to help more people? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that. I want to, um, let you in on a, on a little secret. Okay. I'm listening. Do you want to know a little secret? Sure. It takes a lot of freaking work. (laughs) Anything worth doing in life. Yeah. Takes a lot of work. And the book was no different. The 100 day challenge was absolutely no different. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. All I knew is I wasn't happy where I was in life. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make a radical change. You know, I turned 40 in a few months and I told myself, before I turn 40, there's all these things to do that I have on my bucket list that I've never done. I've had this bucket list. It's been updated every year. It's not like I don't work on it. It's not like I don't have it in front of me and I can see it for, you know, day in and day out. I post that, that thing on my wall. Mm. It wasn't good enough. You know, they, mm. they, they say, Hey, put stuff up on the wall and this and that constantly remind yourself that stuff's important, but it wasn't driving action. And that's yeah. what the hundred day challenge was. So in regards to the book, I've wanted to write a book forever. I'd have before, these, before you get into that part, tell us a little bit about the 100 day challenge, like what it mm, entailed before yeah. we get into the book. So it's uh, if, if the listeners know anything about like 75 hard or any programs like that, it's similar to that. Uh, it's 100 days, obviously 100 day challenge. And you just pick from a list essentially of different parts of your life. There's eight different parts of your life. There's relationships, there's finances, there's spirituality. Uh, businesses, legacy, things like that. Mm-hmm. So from all these different categories, you pick. And I was like, well, uh, my life is a mess. Uh, I want some radical change. So how about I pick all eight? Mm. And so that's what You're I did. Savage. I was like, yeah. go big or go home. And the funny thing is, uh, Dr. Wagner, who does the 100 day challenge, did it the year before and I chickened out. Mm. I was like, man, I can't even do one of these things. Like, yeah. Like no alcohol, no, uh, you know, what, what are bad habits that I had back then? No pornography, things like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I might be able to do a week or two, but there's no way, man, there's no way I can do that. And so this year I was like, well, doormat, the old mat, this yeah. is the results you get in life because of not taking the hundred day challenge. And so I told myself I'm going to do everything. And so a lot of my rituals, a lot of my habits that I still have today uh, originated from that from that time. So I get up at 5.30 every morning. I make my bed every morning. I do my breathing exercises. I drink water. I exercise. I do my incantations. Um, I think that's just the morning stuff. I've, I've added a couple things. Like I read my Bible every morning now and um, do other things throughout the week. But um, essentially, it was, what are your morning rituals? What do you do during the day to keep yourself motivated? What's your diet? What's your exercise plan look like? What are your nightly rituals? So I was journaling every night. Um, And a lot of I had this huge checklist. And this did work because I would have to go up and I'd Mm -hmm. have to check the list off. And by physically doing that, I felt better. It wasn't just like my bucket list that just 
collected dust and became yeah. like something that I didn't even pay attention to anymore in my room. And so for a hundred days, uh, you were on my team, uh, along with another friend and we pushed through it. We stayed in contact every morning when I'd finished my morning. Yeah. Yep. Every time I'd finished my morning, uh, rituals and habits, mm -hmm. I texted you guys every night, same thing. You know, I, I kept myself accountable because for me, it was all about taking action. I gave that secret earlier about hard work. Yep. Well, hard work takes the form of action. And I was doing that every day for a hundred days. My, I, I was going through my journal the other day and just reliving some of those experiences I was writing about, reliving the things I was grateful for. And it was very empowering because life can come at you. It comes in, mm. in, in waves at times. And uh, for me right now, I have a lot going on. I'm at a transition phase of my life in my professional life, my personal life. There's a whole lot going on. And so having a journal of things like that, like I went through this one story where uh, a psychologist, a therapist that I was seeing for a very short amount of time, you know, he was telling me things, you're an alcoholic because he knew about my family history you because you're an alcoholic well alcoholism is a disease so now i have a disease i'm sick um he also recommended that i take injections every day or not every day once a month so that if if i slipped up meaning when i slip up i won't feel the effects of the alcohol i'll get a really Amazing. bad headache and i'll stop drinking and he's like mm. that's going to change your neurocircuitry i'm like <laughs> so you're you're telling me by me injecting myself this diseased man, this sick man. Victim, yeah. And not if I slip up, but when I slip up, yep. I'll have this safety net that I, for how much? $59.99 once a month, you can inject yourself with this magical <laughs> serum. And so I, I reread that story and I was so empowered because after the first or second session when he was saying all these things, because I said, be straight up with me, man. I don't want you to dance around this. I don't want to spend three to six months talking about my feelings just to get to the point. So I do applaud him for being very mm -hmm. direct and that has worked with him with other people. But that was for me, he was disempowering me. Yeah. And I wanted to be powerful. I wanted to be in control of my life and my decisions. I don't want something like alcohol, a substance that has no brain, nothing. It's just, it's just a substance. I don't want that to be in control of my life. I want to be in control of its life. Correct. And so I told this professional who had a doctorate and all of that stuff, like very well known in the community. I went to him and I was like, Hey bro, like I didn't say, Hey bro, but like, Hey bro, <laughs> you should have though. Um, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with your approach. I res I did it in a very respectful way, but I was like, Hey man, this ain't working for me because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I was like, we can have a last session. I'll pay you for what you're owed, but we're, I'm doing this a different way. Yeah. And it was after that, I felt so empowered because I stood up for myself. No longer yes. was I doormat in that situation. No longer mm -hmm. was I letting a guy who was a so-called professional trust him and become a victim because that would perpetuate the cycle that I had been yep. living my entire life. And so I reread that in my journal and it was so powerful, so empowering. And if I had, I, I put that story in the book too, but, um, if I didn't have my journal to reflect on, no, this guy is a badass. Like, look, he wrote about it this day. 
This was yeah. only a few months ago. And this Crazy. wasn't like a small victory. This was a mm-hmm. huge victory. And so that's what the 100 Day Challenge did. It made me accountable for myself and you guys. And it made me take action every single day, even if some of the stuff seemed mundane, some of the stuff was difficult. I was doing intense workouts with a with a trainer out, out of Miami. Um, just another amazing thing. The, my body transformation, my health transformation was just absolutely incredible. In 100 days, I was able to drop um, about 25 to 35 pounds. I had already dropped about 10 to 15 before that. So total, within about six months, I dropped um, 45 pounds and I dropped to about 6% body fat. Now, I was really skinny, really defined, and yeah. that's not my, that wasn't my end goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, some people uh, saw how my body looked. It was super toned, um, you know, and everything. And I was like, oh, this is just, this is just step one. Yeah. I'm breaking myself down so that I can build myself back up. And so that's what I'm in the process of doing right now is building myself back up. But it was an amazing transformation because people could see physically how I transform myself. But yep. the same transformation was going on on the inside. It's just with my body and everything. That's a really easy way to, to show it. But the same thing was happening up here. It was happening in here. It was happening yep. throughout my entire body. So mm-hmm. um, when you say things like, you know, all that stuff that I put on on my list on top of running three businesses on top of writing a book, which I've never done before. I've always wanted to write a book. I'd get started, write maybe a hundred pages, maybe 150 pages, and then life would get in the way. I'd push it off to the side. Well, with the hundred day challenge, I didn't have that option. I had a hundred days to write a book and it, you know, you see on Facebook and stuff like that, especially if you talk about things like this, somehow, some way Facebook knows what you're talking about. Mm. Not a conspiracy theorist, but when I talk about writing books, then I start seeing ads about, hey, write your book in 10 days. Hey, write your book in 30 days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did it in 100 days. I wrote about 70,000 words, which I think comes out somewhere between 150 to 200 pages. Uh, it was the rough draft. Obviously, I've edited it with my editor since then and changed a couple things around, but I had the first draft done, 70,000 words in a hundred days. And on top of it, the subject I was writing about, which is the subject of this podcast is about superheroes. Yes. I didn't know much about superheroes back then, other than the X-Men, Spider-Man, Superman, Iron Man, Wonder Woman, people like that. Growing up, watching the movies, reading the comics, things like that. But not, I haven't met a person yet. Maybe I will. Hopefully through this podcast, I'll meet someone who can actually like shoot fireballs through their hands um, <laughs> you just might. Yeah. But you know, so I was like, okay, I truly believe that people have this inner power within them, that everybody can be a superhero. I honestly believe that. I think our bodies are created in such a way through our nervous system, through our brains, that we are able to tap into this potential that has been dormant for such a long time. And so I was like, okay, what are superpowers that people have in this world? And from being a Tony Robbins fan and, and working through a lot of his stuff, I knew about anchors. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, an anchor, I use anchors in my life. And for those listening that don't know what an anchor is, it's a, it's a neuro association. So essentially, like you do maybe a body movement or you hear a song and then you instantly have certain types of feelings. So one of my anchors is I hit my chest 
Mm. And what that does is it gives me a supreme amount of confidence. Mm. And I won't get into the, the, uh, the methods of how to create those on this podcast, but I do cover it in the book. Uh, about creating anchors and getting rid of bad anchors because we have bad anchors too. So that was the first chapter I wrote. And I was like, man, this is a superpower because, you know, you see superheroes, they'll put their their hands on their hips mm. and put yep. their 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 head up and their face up. Power pose. Yeah, yeah. power pose. And yeah. and that that's that's an anchor. That's a and, anchor. And so yeah. I was like, man, that's so powerful. I, that is a superpower. I was like, what else? What else? But I didn't know what I was going to really write about. So I did tons and tons and tons of research. Uh, one of the guys I came across, he has a podcast, the Huberman lab, Andrew Huberman from Stanford university. Mm-hmm. I can't give that guy enough props because he is a neuroscientist and that's, he really introduced me to how we can use our nervous system. Uh, it, we can grow it. We can change it. It's adaptable. It, it is the most powerful tool that we have in our bodies. It comprises the brain, the spinal cord, and all the neural connections to all the different parts, to your bones, to your muscles, all that stuff. And the best thing is, you know, I talked about it earlier, the electrical currents and all that. That's all it is, just electri- electrical signals going throughout your body. But we have the ability to change it. And that is the most powerful superpower now, in the book, I talk about different powers like breathing superpower, cold water immersion, anchors, mm. uh, mm. habits and rituals, things like that. And But that all, all it stems from is the nervous system. So once I started learning about the nervous system, I did a freaking deep dive in that. I was watching podcasts. I was reading research papers on top of writing. And mm. I'm not a writer as like a trained writer. And so what I realized as I was learning about these superpowers like habits and rituals, I would read yeah. about habit formation. Atomic habits is a phenomenal book yeah. that talks about changing habits and things like that. So I had to teach myself even within that hundred days, how to write consistently every day. Yeah. The time frame, the, um, how I need to adjust my arousal. I can't be too aroused or else I'm not going to be able to think clearly, but I can't be too low of arousal or else I'll be too unfocused or tired to write. And yeah. so I was using other superpowers I was learning about, breathing exercises. And the thing is, the 100-day challenge had a lot of those things in it, even though I didn't even realize what they were doing. I was just like, mm. I just have to do them because uh, Dr. Wagner says it works, and I will trust him because I had complete faith in him. But I'm an engineer by trade. I want to know the why behind things. And yeah. so as I was learning about all these different things, cold water immersion, taking cold showers, I was like, I was mortified at first to take a cold shower like so much fear so much discomfort i was like i'm doing all this hard stuff i really just want a nice hot relaxing relaxing shower (laughs) i deserve it right yeah i deserve it well you know what the cold showers were what gave me an adrenaline kick it released dopamine which is people think it's dopamine hits like pleasure get you know pleasure 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 dopamine is actually motivation so what it was doing, the cold showers, it was getting me like super jacked, full of adrenaline, full of energy. So I had mm-hmm. all this energy, but there was a slower release of dopamine that lasted for hours. So yeah. not only did I have energy when I would get out of this cold shower, I had the motivation to sit down and write without being overly aroused. And I would write 
I would do research. I took probably a good 50,000 words of notes in that time. So actually, I wrote over probably over 120,000 words in that time frame, countless hours of studying on top of everything else I had to do in my life. Um, You're a beast. and, And you know what? It was a very... When I think back about it, uh, that that hundred days, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. it took a lot of time, a lot of focus, a lot of energy. I had to say no to a lot of things. But you know what? The things I was saying no to usually were things that didn't keep me on course with my mission. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, those things actually didn't really—they weren't really that important. And so, a lot of those things aren't in my life anymore. Uh, the excessive TV watching, the excessive sports watching the knowledge of stats of professional athletes. Like I know there's a lot of people that love that stuff and I'm not taking that away from them. It's a great hobby. But for me with my mission and what I want to do in my life, I don't care what, how many touchdowns Russell Wilson threw last season or something like that. It it has no impact on my life. It's not going to help me empower other people. It's not going to help me be a better person. And I, I, I believe competition in sports are important, but I was taking it too far. And yeah, so, yeah. um, the hundred day challenge I loved, it changed my life. It mm-hmm. set me up down this road of improvement, of adaptation, of really just empowerment. It was my redemption story. And ACE was fully present and fully involved in my life the whole time. And he has continued to push that since then. There would be no podcast. There would be no book. There would be no um, other things that that are coming up in the works right now that are going to be great experiences, great uh, teachings, great learnings that that uh, I'm not only I'm coming up with, but you're coming up with. We're working on stuff together, and not, none of this would have been possible yep. without the hundred day challenge. So I, I give everything to it. It was brilliant. It was genius. And I am so happy today because I wake up every morning with a mission. I know where my direction is in life. And um, it's it's just, I'm, I'm living, I feel like I was reborn. Honestly, yeah. I feel no, completely I felt reborn. from you as well. And, you know, the coolest part about the 100 Day Challenge is, uh, you know, I got to witness you go through it and I went through it as well in my own. And then at the end, we got to share in that experience and to... You know, it it was it's kind of a funny story, but uh, you know, when when you asked, you're like, so all right, there's this big thing at the end, like there's a celebration, right? Every time you do something amazing or even not amazing, you switch celebrate it. So you were looking through a couple of things, and you're like, you know what? Why don't we climb a fourteen thousand foot peak in Colorado? Right? Remember that story? So yeah. I was like, when are we gonna climb a and I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. And uh, you're like, Okay, cool. And then, then you then you share with me. You're like, uh, okay. Josh, um, I need to tell you this, but I think the longest I've ever hiked was like two or three miles. <laughs> and I'm thinking flat. like, well, like flat, exactly. I'm like, okay, this ought to be very interesting. But you never back down. You're like, I'm in it. We're doing it. Just like when you cut the tip of your finger off, where you're coming up toward my way, and we're like, let's go hike Mount Washington, like the highest, one of the highest peaks in the East Coast. Uh, and you're like. I, you know, I could see you thought about it for a second. You're like, I just almost cut my finger and did cut your finger off. You're like, but that doesn't stop me from hiking. But you could see that you're rewiring that like, no, I need a challenge now. I need, this is great. Perfect. And both times you killed it. We didn't just do one 14,000 foot peak. We did two of them in a day. 
And that was a challenge. It was snow. We had to get snowshoes. It was, yeah, that could be a whole other podcast, but I have a ton of respect for you just putting that away. Cause I know that's not the man that I met a year ago. Man, I met a year ago would have had a lot of excuses and good excuses for why most of this wouldn't have been possible for him. But Ace is not that guy. Ace is the guy who says, how tall? Yeah, double it. Yeah. And you'll figure out a way. And that's figure what I love about your transformation and everything going on. And I know that life's not simple for you right now. And you're still crushing it, even during the, some of the toughest times that you've ever had to face. Um, so what do you hope that your book and this podcast will, what, do, what is your gift to the world? What is your hope that it will help other people do? Really, it just goes back to my mission. I want to be a shining example that you can take control of your life, that you can make not only a change, but a dramatic change in a very short amount of time. It is possible yeah. because I've done it and I want to empower and I want to change people's lives. So if the book changes a million people's lives, great. If it changes one person's life, that's just as good for me. And I don't need to make money off this book. I'm going to go say it on air right now. The book is going to have pre-orders. Every pre-order that is purchased from this book, 100% of the profits from those pre-orders is going to a nonprofit. Uh, you're familiar with it. Um, it's called Operation Rescue Children. It's a nonprofit that essentially trains people all over the world, law enforcement, elite military. We train people so they can go into these different parts of the world, whether it's here in the US or in Nepal or wherever, and stop sex trafficking. There's over 41 million people that are trafficked. And that's, you know, that's what we know. The number is probably high, scary higher than that. Scary, so, yeah. But yeah, so for as far as the book goes, pre-sales, if you buy it, 100% of those proceeds go to ORC to raise money so that we can eliminate this problem of sex trafficking all over the world. And so um, that is a promise. And then once the book is released, a portion of the profits from every book purchased is going to go also to ORC. And that's a commitment I'm making on air because I honestly don't feel like the end game for this book is profit. The end game for this book is change, change yeah. the reader's mindset, change the reader's perspective, have the readers take action. And then whatever comes out of it, money wise goes to helping a cause. I don't need to line my my pockets, so to speak, with money off of it. Like obviously, money's important and it's a tool, but here I'm using it as a tool to help a cause that I feel feel very strong about and want to support in every way possible. Dude, I love that. And for that reason, and you know, for the mission of ORC, you know, that that kind of a generosity is why you're my superhero when it comes to that stuff, dude, because that is a gigantic problem. And anybody that can help in that realm, you know, it's, yeah, I have two young sons at home and I can't even imagine what that's like, you know, for, for families that have to go through it or kids or people in general. So yeah, yeah, hats off to you, brother. Yeah. I, I have no, by the way, it's not something that was near and dear to my heart. I've never experienced trafficking. I don't have a family member that's been trafficked or anything like okay. that. Yeah. However, I have the opportunity, I have the skill set to support a cause like that. And I felt that it was part of who I am to support a cause like that. Um, even though I have no personal uh, connection 
to that kind of experience. But I, I love people. I would say that's a big superpower of mine. And I got that from my mother was having a big heart. I would say if one of my superpowers was an oversized heart, that, that would be a superpower of mine because I just love people so much. I'm compassionate. I just, I want to see people happy. I want to see people empowered. I want people to know that they were born with a destiny, with a reason that their life is meaningful and they have amazing gifts to give. Like I play, I grew up playing drums. There was no way I was going to be as good as John Bonham or some of these other drummers. I love playing. I still play, but that wasn't my gift. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has something to give to the world, to empower and enrich in other people's lives. I have my heart. I'd say another superpower of mine is my focus. Some people might call it ADD, ADHD. <laughs> Fancy uh, terms. People, people like to throw yeah. that word my way sometimes out of, out of love, but what they don't mm-hmm. realize, they're disempowering me. Well, you know what? I've never been diagnosed. I've never tried to get diagnosed, but if I do have ADD or ADHD, so what? I'm using that tool yep. because I can get focused to the point that everything around me doesn't exist when I'm honed in on something. Yeah. And with that, I can get a lot of results done. I don't need Ritalin. I don't need medicine. I don't need a cure. I'm perfect because yeah. I was created by a perfect being and I was put here for a very specific mission and I'm going to live that mission out and I'm going to push myself every day and hold myself accountable. And there's people like you that are in my life that are supporting me that hold me accountable too, because I'm not going to be perfect. I do fall. I do fail from time to time, just like anybody else. But you do it out of love. You do it out of tough love. And when you find people in your lives that are willing to kick your ass out of love, well, that is true love. Love can't just be keeping the boat still, not rocking the boat. That's very superficial. Like, the connection that you and I have, the friendship that we have, the love we have for one another is real because you know I'm not afraid to call you out on your shit when, when that happens. And same thing. You do the same thing for me, but it's all out of love and respect. What they say, iron shar- sharpens iron. That's True. exactly what it is right there. That's exactly it, dude. I couldn't say it better myself, brother. It's been such a blessing to have you in my life, and I cannot wait to witness your journey and what God put you on earth for. And I, I see it happening and it's what blows my mind is the fact that in one year you've made so much progress and anybody who reads your book, that's going to go through and you're going to basically show how that was done and what you did and, and all those kinds of things in the background of it all. But from what you did in a year is absolutely fucking crazy. It's a very so, short time well, frame, yeah. but anybody can do it. And you know, people sometimes talk about overnight successes and this and that there's no such mm-hmm. thing as an overnight success. There's years and years of preparation and I didn't realize it at the time, but everything that I did up until then was preparation. It did take 38 years, but it happened. Yes. And so I can only be grateful because of that, because there was a chance that if it was, if it didn't get so bad, if it didn't get so dark, Mm -hmm. that might've never happened. I could have maybe been comfortable and coasted through life unhappy and I would have died an old man. And on the surface, people would have been like, he lived a good life. He worked yeah. hard. He provided for his family, security. But I wasn't living life. Yeah. You, you know that. And uh, now I'm living life because I'm in control of my life. 
You and I have a mission. I have an identity. I'm using my superpowers. And that's all you need. That's it, dude. That's it. They say there's two most important days in your life. The day you're born and the day you figure out why. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Love it's, it. It's that simple. And that's yeah. that's what's happened. The awakening's happening. So, man, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you. Yeah. No, no, no. Thank you for flipping it on me, man. You freaking yeah. pulled the pulled the rug from under me. But um hey, that's why I love you so much, man. Absolutely. Right back at you, brother. This has been a privilege. Thank you. Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, I think uh that wraps it up for the day. Um, if you want to know more, definitely reach out to me on social media. Um, and yeah, like I said, my book's coming out in December. Pre-orders are gonna be available soon. Hundred percent of those proceeds are going to go to Operation Rescue Children. And uh, yeah, I'm just super excited to be on this journey. I'm excited that you're a part of my journey, Joshua. And I'm just excited to be interviewing great, amazing, empowering people all over the world. And with that said, thank you for listening. Appreciate you as always. And uh, just go freaking lean into the day and kick its ass. Hey, before we, we close down here, I want to put my name on the first book that is out published <laughs> and i want it signed by ace himself <laughs> i'm putting that out there too there i'll be the go. first one yes well i i did promise uh one of my relatives that he would get the first book signed however okay, second one then however i'll Family rip first. I'll, I'll rip i'll rip the book in half you can have the top, <laughs> top half he'll have the bottom half how's that sound that sounds perfect <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're, you're definitely uh, definitely getting a copy here very soon. So uh, awesome. appreciate you, man, as always. And uh, yeah, listeners, thank you for listening once again. Joshua does have his own podcast. I'm giving you a, a shout out uh, called Outer Spaces. It's an amazing podcast. And uh, he just has so many good things to deliver his audience and people in general. Like it's just, it's a phenomenal podcast. So definitely check that out as well. With that said, peace out. Thanks, sir. Thanks, sir.